This is a Pivotal Conversations podcast. Guys, make sure you hit the follow or subscribe button on whatever platform you're either watching or listening to us on. And if you've been enjoying the episodes and you've been getting something out of them, please go leave us a five-star review. You have no idea how much it helps us. For me, I under I had this mindset, not even like purposely, like it's going to work, but like I just would not have, I wouldn't have been able to sleep at night if it didn't work kind of thing. So I was willing to find any way to make it work. And I'm still like that, like we're nowhere near where we want to be. I'd say just do it wholeheartedly. If you're having doubts about it already, then probably question if this is the correct domain for you to go into. Gabe, welcome to the podcast. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Kyle. I'd, uh, I've been following your content for, for a while now. Yep. Um, the boys at Strength Culture, I think... I was talking to them before they had you on and, and they were they were talking about you and then some of your stuff started to pop up at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, mate, like, I, I think you do a really good job. Like, and, and to the point where, like, you, you know, I'm paying attention from a, from a business standpoint. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's what I, I like to do. I like to, like, look at something and go... Oh, I wonder what's working there, you know, like, and, and what can I, what can I take from that and, and so on. But, um, we're going to obviously dive into that stuff, um, at some point, but I'd love to hear the, the startup story. So, you know, how, you know, how was nine to five started and, and what was the story behind, you know, the, the starting point there? Yeah, it was, I've told this story like a million times, probably on my own podcast, but it was definitely came from humble beginnings. So I'll start with like the full context of it. Basically, um, I went to school with Louis um, in like year six to year nine, weren't overly that close. Then I went to a different school, probably didn't chat for three years. And then after year 12 finished, we started playing like futsal together with a bunch of mates. After that, Louis and I would go down to the outdoor gym and we would uh, just like train together, doing like muscle ups, pull ups, everything like that. And it kind of sparked a real interest for both of us wanting to better ourselves physically. And literally we would be equally as committed, like literally, it just like expanded upon like going to the gym, like finding out which different supplements work. And I kind of got obsessed with the research and the literature behind it and understanding what I could optimize. And it like, it was a kind of a healthy obsession because I was like, Oh, what can I be doing better? Constantly researching. I kind of came from like a very academic background. So I, I took the same perspective with that, that kind of um, grew into like all my other mates like that my mates could see the progress I was making they're like oh Gab can you write me a workout program like does this work does this work I I was on exchange at the time and like everyone kept (laughs) asking for it and I was like I could probably help a whole lot more people if I formalize this a little bit like perhaps turn it into a business and um, you know Louie and I would literally train together every day so this was like six months of us being apart which was very unusual and I texted him like it was September 2019 or August 2019 literally we texted each other at the same time he was like I want to start an apparel brand for gym and I was like dude I want to like start making programs and so we kept hypothesizing or rather establishing this idea and basically when I got back like we registered the business on the first day probably a bit silly but like from there we had skin in the game and we just had no idea what we were doing but like we just wanted to do something I remember literally being in like Sri Lanka in a little tuk-tuk or something with my laptop writing up the business plan or something like that I'm pretty sure I called it like anabolic something rather yeah just like a placeholder name and but I just like got all my ideas out just like spat it out and I knew from there like I wanted to make it happen I remember chewing people's ear off like girls I was seeing at the time being like 
this and this, this idea, and they probably had this guy's going nowhere. And like it, it's pretty cool. Like it actually ended up kind of being successful. So like that's where it started from. And it was it just basically came from Louis and I wanting to help people because we thought it was like uni students. There was nothing really relatable out there. It was all like kind of off-putting bro science and big roided boys like this. And I don't know for like your average like Monash University student that wasn't necessarily appealing. So I wanted to try and create something that was a bit more, you know, breaking down the science and making it a bit more relatable for your average like gym goal. That's why it's called nine to five fitness because it's like, you know, your average nine to five, um, perhaps mm. uni student, busy student, early corporate, like it's just your nine to five, but you can kind of create amazing results. Um, you don't have to be like this big roided full-time bodybuilder. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And so, so that's obviously one element to the business. And mm-hmm. then there's obviously the personal brand that you're building at the yep. moment, which is Anabolic Gabe. And mm-hmm. um, you know, obviously that's more personal to you. Um, when did when did that really start to move? Um, yeah, well, again, it was definitely on exchange. Like that was a it was 2019. It was a pretty um, big year of progression for me. I went through. It was like my first proper girlfriend. I'd say like it ended pretty badly before exchange and. Like, I, I think any bloke who goes through their, or any, like, girl or boy who goes through their first breakup, like, you just grow so much after that. And that was coupled with me, like, living in another country for six months. So, I just had this hectic progression. And I think that's what gave me the confidence. And um, just, like, I, I don't even know how to say it, but I just, something changed within me. Like, the start of the year, I was 68 kilos. I got back in November, like, 85 kilos without putting on, like, any fat. And all my mates were, like, it's a new person who's come here. It was like the the Captain America thing where you put the skinny kid in and he comes out as like Chris Evans, not to like say I'm anything like that. Well, mate, but no, no, you're looking good. So <laughs> like you, you can say it. It was like, that's kind of where, it, as I say, it's like a joke. I went from catabolic to anabolic that year. Catabolic is like the breaking down of cells. It's not good, but anabolic is the building up. So I went from catabolic Gabe to anabolic Gabe, both like mentally and physically, I feel. Mm-hmm. Anabolic was like a name that Louis would call me in the gym because I'd be like lifting, getting real pumping, go like, oh, Anab or something like that. Yeah. It was like a nickname that caught yeah. on between mates. And from there, I just like changed my Instagram username to Anabolic Gabe. And uh, I don't know, like th- that's kind of where the name came from. And from there, I've just like expanded on that content. So, so from a personal branding perspective, what do you think it is that makes what you're doing so relatable? Because you talked about it. You've obviously identified a certain... Mm-hmm a certain niche, right, or a certain, you know, demographic that you're relating to. Um, and and so what do you think about the content you create and, and you know, your personal brand as a whole that people are actually, be, you know, saying, well, I can relate to this and they're also really enjoying the content you're putting out. And more importantly, like, is that something that was deliberate from day one mm-hmm. or was it more something that you stumbled across and gone, oh, like, you identified that as an opportunity and then started to, to really play on that as things went on? Yeah, I suppose when I started making content, like both Louie and I were really self-conscious about what people thought and like we wouldn't, at the start we promised ourselves, we're not even going to take our shirts off, we're not going to put our faces in anything and that that got scrapped pretty quickly. But uh, it definitely wasn't deliberate, it wasn't like strategized, like this is what I'm going to post, this is what I'm going to do. It was literally me like seeing videos online and like just providing my... uh, comments on it just like completely unsolicited but people were getting around it like a couple videos got like over a million views and it just got traction from there I suppose because I was just being myself and I know it's really cliche to say like just be yourself but I honestly think it's like so many people in the fitness industry try to 
be this mold of your classic Gymshark influencer and everything like that. And it's really boring. Um, whereas like, oh, I say like some controversial stuff. I remember like, uh, you probably, you may have seen like that avocado toast video. Like I got absolutely slated like death threats for it apparently because I was promoting eating disorders, but like, that's just the way I know, like tracking my nutrition and I'm not going to like, I'm pretty unapologetic with it. Like that's my perspective and I'm never going to like apologize for who I am. Like I'm a numbers guy, I like tracking everything. I'm analytical. So I'm not going to apologize for that. And I think that can be like you'll either hate me for that or you love me for it and there's no in between if you hate me whatever but the people that do get around it like they get something out of it which like I don't know it's that, like that positive energy of people telling me like I've changed their lives or helped them lose weight like that makes it all worth it to me yeah it's such an interesting like uh, you know I, I look at things that work now and it's like when everyone else is zigging you got a zag mm. you know what I mean like it's like I feel like that's something that uh, and it is that authentic thing right it's like you got to do what's mm. authentic to you because that's what where you're going to find consistency um, but I definitely think there's something to be said like with how stereotypes are playing out at the moment you mm. know and and um, it's obviously one of the things that everybody struggles with you know like no matter what, what industry and like it's like um, you know, you get a corporate job, you have mm-hmm. to act like a corporate, you know, yeah. like you in the fitness industry, everyone, a lot of people expect you to be very rigid. Yeah. You know, you've got to kind of fit this certain mold, even personal trainers, like, you know, that I, I was a PT, you know, that's was, was my first kind of my first business. And I, it's one of those things where um, you do feel pressure to kind of, to, to f- yeah. stay, stick within this mold and stick within the, you know, how this group acts and so on. And, and I find it really, interesting at the moment how especially around content and you know like we're talking about that relatability piece how you know there's certain people that you know now they you know the ones that are being authentic to themselves are actually starting to pick up traction mm-hmm. yeah uh, yeah th- there's a whole like scene in america i follow pretty closely and the people who are doing the best over there are like the ones who speak their mind like they show everything on camera they're very transparent so uh i think it's, I'm not trying to copy them, but I think it's just a good little signal to not hold back from showing who I am. Obviously, like that comes within reason. Like, I'm not like, a, yeah, don't do stupid shit, basically. But yeah, yeah, and and so I, I want to kind of touch on the content piece because obviously that's a big part of what you do. And uh, we were just talking, you know, off air. You're obviously heading away, and and you've got a big trip coming up, and a lot of your planning is like around content, but. Obviously, that's a like. First of all, how are you seeing content at the moment? Like, what you know, like if if you if for somebody who's listening to this, and obviously, content's a big part of any business. You know what I mean? Like right now, it's it's almost like you you got to be creating content in some way, shape, or form. How are you seeing it play out? You know, in terms of what's working and how to you know like for somebody listening, how do they start to think about potentially what they can do to, you know, and how they can add this layer to their business? I suppose like I'm no expert in it. Like I'm still searching for the answers myself. I'd love to be getting millions of views every single video I post. And I hope one day I can figure that out. But I have had like some level of success with it. I suppose like starting something from scratch and creating a bit of a following and videos that do (laughs) kind of well. Um, I suppose it, it really is just about being yourself. Like we would, we started the nine to five videos just like us in the backyard working out and Louis would like do this low voice, like really slow 
voiceover and people like a couple of them would get views and they get traction like that so um it, it is a really crucial part of any business but it, it also is really saturated at the moment i think everyone's realized now you got to be doing content so and like the overall market of like people who are consuming content they've only got so much bandwidth and there's only so much algorithm space to push your videos out there so i suppose you kind of do have to be a bit unique perhaps a little bit controversial speak your mind like have a point of difference um it's very abstract i'd say there's no like set rule book Mm. but there are certainly little things you can do to help you get there like for instance like with tiktok if you're posting a three minute disengaging video like the algorithm is going to detect it's kind of rubbish content because people aren't going to be watching for three minutes. Like you're better off doing 15 seconds or something like that. So that there are little tips for each platform. Again, I'm no expert with it. I'm trying to figure it out at the moment and um, like engage people who are specialists in this and engage different friends who are doing quite well in it um, and just figuring it out. Yeah. How, like, so, so that, I think that's a good point. Like, cause I know that's something that, even just with with what we're doing, like actually consuming content is mm. is really important mm-hmm. that I found because it. I think obviously, like it's almost like writer's block, but for content, I feel like a lot yeah. of people struggle with, and even us, at sometimes you know, like like it, it comes across us all. But I feel like it's like consuming content helps you kind of create these ideas and understanding what works, what doesn't, what you like, what you know, what what can you what you know what can you potentially add to say this form of content that would make it more authentic to yourself um but so so how do you think about it then are you just trying to capture the stuff that you're already doing are you actively going out and trying to create things it is a mixture of both like how do you plan this stuff out yeah i think recently i've been having like a bit of a battle within my own head because i don't have it figured out and sometimes like my videos don't perform as well as i think they should be or i put more effort into something and didn't perform as something I did in 10 seconds, right? So, like, it's something I definitely am figuring out, but, like, th- there's a balance between, like, consuming the content because I feel like if I'm just on TikTok the whole day looking at different trends, like, you can get pretty close-minded as well, whereas if I'm off my phone, like, exploring, meditating, like, being mindful, being aware of my own state and things mm. I'm doing, I can create more original ideas. But then again, like you do have to pay attention to what's trending and what's mm. doing well. So like, I don't think there's a perfect answer for that, but it, it's an, it's a mix of both. Yeah. And, and so when you're actively going out and trying to like film content and shoot mm. content, um, are you, is it more just about being curious and being willing mm. to play with ideas and actually go out and, and do it, you know, the practice mm. of filming content and, and bringing things to life? Yeah, I think, so like YouTube is something I'm trying to really grow at the moment I just had like a video do pretty well overnight which was like a good breakthrough and something I think I'm getting better at is like in front of the camera actually being lively like I'm getting more comfortable with it like smiling showing my teeth showing a bit of energy like talking to the camera like I'm talking to someone even though there's nobody there and I think people really like that personality and particularly in Australia for like vlogging slash fitness content I think it's completely lacking so I'm trying to step up to that plate and like I think I could be doing like whatever like going to the gym cooking meals going on this podcast here but it's about like how I narrate it and show people that it's exciting because if I'm just monotone and not providing any value like people will be like I don't really care about this bloke whereas Mm. if I'm exciting and people relate to that personality Mm. then I think like I've noticed it 
you can have a YouTube video that is 25 minutes long, completely like unproduced, like obviously trimmed and cut and everything. But if people like your personality, they're going to engage with it so much. Whereas you could have something that's completely overproduced, but if the energy isn't there, like no Mm. one's going to... So that's something I've been playing around with like with my edits and stuff we've done like the overproduced stuff but i've been like kind of flat on camera and i'm not even really feeling it and the video won't do that well whereas like i upload something that's 20 minutes long and it's literally me having a conversation with my editor and just taking the piss out of what i do like it performs a whole lot better and people like that personality so um there's like a few different things but yeah it's look and and you're like you know there's no there's no formula here there's Mm -hmm. not like it's 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 going to be different for everybody and I even think it's more like you, you mentioned it before. Like I guess, like finding what is actually authentic mm-hmm. to you is about trialing things and going out and doing things and finding. You know, what kind of content do you actually? You know, you talked about it being the energy. Where do you feel comfortable mm-hmm. talking? You know, like for me, this is a place where I feel really comfortable talking and and creating yeah, yeah. content because it's like it's very natural. You know, I'm still going to go actively try do other forms of content and try to find another place yeah. where I can I can get that energy. But I think it's more just like you know, like anything, it's just putting yourself out there. You know, um, trying to create the habit, trying to get really active with it, mm-hmm. and over time, if you stick to it long enough, you you might be able to pick up a few patterns here or there. That's that's the thing I'm noticing. It's like uh, like in Australia, it's like content is weird. If you have a camera out in the street and you're talking to it, people are going to like stare at you, thinking like is this guy got a problem or something? <laughs> yeah. Like, is he all good? Whereas in America, like it'd be, or UK to be completely normal. West Hollywood, man, it's every third person. Literally. So I reckon like Australia's 20 years behind. So it's something I'm trying to, not saying I'm like changing the game. I haven't done anything yet, but hopefully pioneer this along with <laughs> a few of my friends um, and kind of normalize it and bring this content to Australia. I find I found that really interesting when you said that though. Like that was something that I took notice of. It was like you're actually thinking, and I feel like this is something that I see in a lot of the people I talk to on the couch that you know are successful founders and and you know building something great is they can identify the opportunity. And you mm-hmm. said before, like you think that um, vlogging, fitness vlogging in Australia is kind of mediocre at the moment, or it's not at the level of say <coughs> other other you know countries and so on Mm -hmm. um and i feel like that's something that is uh can be a big lesson for people is like actually spotting what the opportunity is from Mm -hmm. a macro standpoint Mm -hmm. you know that's definitely something that i've noticed you know that for people that um because like uh, uh, market dynamics will always trump individuality you know Mm -hmm. in a way like you know you can like there will always be individual brilliance, but you can have like a poor product in a growing market yeah, yeah. and like a, a mediocre product in a, uh, sorry, a great product in a dying market. And this one will actually perform better than the other. Yeah, that's you know? very true. So it's like, I think the idea of identifying the opportunity, like, and I've, you know, it can maybe attest to, mm. you know, how you're looking at it as well. Is that, do you, do you agree? Uh, like 100%. I think it's uh, to give you a personal example of like something I've noticed with my business we our audience is so australia dominant like it is like 92 percent australia something absolutely ridiculous now that's good and bad because obviously when you hit international waters that's when your overall following number blows up like the millions we've only got like 100k something like that insta like 26k something like that which i'm still extremely proud of but i know like it can be bigger but the thing you've got to 
understand is the Australian market is so much smaller than UK, US. Tiny. It is tiny. Mm. But that also comes with benefits because we are probably arguably the most relatable fitness influencers. I cringe at that word, but to the Australian market. Now, that means for the overall pie for the Australian market, they're all buying our products, using our codes. They relate to us the most. Whereas in America, you've got hundreds upon hundreds of successful influencers. So the pie is a lot bigger, but they're getting tiny slices. Um, and so, like, and not that this is a whole money-making scheme for me, but that's what we've noticed. Like, we may only have 25K on Insta, but the conversions we make for other brands are scary. Like, we're outperforming people with millions of followers, like... For our supplements code, like one month we made them like a very personal information here, but like we made them like a hundred grand in one month just from our code, which is like other influencers with like millions of followers don't get anywhere near that. Like, and that's because our fans are like so passionate and get behind what we do and just like support us to the absolute hills. And I love them for that. But that like, that's just a good example of like those market dynamics. Like Australia is a smaller market, but yeah, if you dominate that market, you like your results are going to outweigh those in like a bigger market. Yeah, and it's like, you know, always get famous in your hometown first, right? Like, yeah. that's the that's that's an easy way to, to create a successful business. But it, it does talk to, like, I think the market dynamics thing is, is like, you know, the being able to see things from a macro perspective. Because it can go both ways, right? Like, we just talked about it then and you were kind of saying, like, bigger piece of a smaller pie is, is still really good. Yeah. You know what I mean? And there's a benefit to that. But then, you know, there's also a benefit to expanding that pie. And mm-hmm. that's probably what you guys are, are starting to look at now with the America trip yeah. and, and stuff like that. So it's it's um it's interesting to see. You've got a background mm. in is it economics? Yeah. Mm. Does that play into this a little bit? Like do you do you feel like, you know, this is it, it's it's kind of helping you understand or, or, or maybe have that mindset to be able to spot the opportunities? Yeah, I think it's hard to say because arguably I went to uni for four years and I'm not using my degrees. So if you're just like results oriented, you're like, oh, waste of time, duh. But I think like like through school, I was always very mathematical, very analytical, like a real numbers person. And I think that education has made me who I am, whether I use those degrees or not. Like I so. I was, again, very academic. Like, I was in school, biggest, like, loser. I would literally go in the study room at recess and lunchtime and, like, study just because I wanted to get the best ATAR possible. Didn't have a drink until three months after year 12. Like, most boring bloke ever. Like, I kind of regret who I was, but also not because, like, it made me who I am today. Um, So, like, went to – I did – so, what did I do in uni? I, I was in Monash, did a Bachelor of Economics um and a bachelor of commerce in like finance so like very numbers love the econometric stuff all that and i like i think that made my mind like it it was really hard to be honest and it really pushed me and i was rubbing shoulders with like people who were like really brought the best out of my mind as well then i got into like the honors economics program at monash that was kind of same time that NTF was kicking off and I was I, like I really wanted to do both because it was kind of my dream to do honours there but like it was so full on I was like I really can't balance all of this so I had yeah. to like I've deferred it for two years in a row now um this is kind of the first time I'm breaking this news um <laughs> but that is like my my background and, and so it's 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 hard to attribute like my ability to identify opportunities and be successful in like e-commerce and stuff to that because it's like I could have just completely dropped out of uni and not done my degrees at all and perhaps gotten the same results and I would yeah. have had a 
even better head start, but I don't regret it at all. Yeah, it's one of those things, like the skills, like it's, you know, that's what I think uni's really good at. Like mm. I think we're, we're moving away from a world where uni's about going and getting, deg- you know, a degree and then using that degree to get a job. I mm. think it's more like I, you know, like so I, I did – I did like a one year or half a year of a marketing. I'm the t- like, you, you can't tell me what to do. Mm. Like, I just, I just, like, if you tell me I have to learn this thing, I'm going to hate learning it, but I love learning if I want to learn mm. it. And I, that's what I've noticed. So I dropped out, right? Um, dropped out of uni, but I think I look at people who, who went to uni and I'm like, I never really developed the skills of like, you know, have to get a project in on time. Yeah. So, like, that's the stuff that I have to work really hard on personally. Like, I'm an ideas man. Yep. Business ideas, identifying strategy, really good. Getting, you know, these things done on time and, and these kind of things, those kind of skills, um, you know, that's the things I have to work hard on. But I feel like with uni, it's like, I feel like that's kind of where it comes into play these days mm. is, like, you build these skills and you, you, you get this knowledge and it will almost be a lens in which you make decisions in the future. Yep. Um, so I think, you know, maybe maybe that might come into it a little bit. But um, I'm interested to, to kind of dive into like the, the business side of things then. So I feel every – like I, I don't know about you, right, but when I look at business, I always try to think of like – like it's not like a philosophy, but it's like I try to identify when things work. Have you ever heard of the, the, the flywheel? Jim uh, Collins? No. So it's like, you know, it's about identifying what's working for us, removing friction, and then repeating that process over and over again to get like a compounded um, result, right? So I always look at like, what's the what's working here? How can we repeat this? I'd love to hear more about like how you see your business, not just business in general, but how you see your business. And, you know, is it like, okay, we, we need to create more attention here, convert that attention into paying customers we're doing that through e-commerce we think that's the biggest opportunity like how do you see it like when you look at it and what are you trying to repeat what are the what are the things you're trying to recreate uh i'd say the thing that has worked well for us is just like the amount of free information we put out there and like just like genuinely trying to positively impact people with no return at all like genuinely just free information like this is what helps and i think that is something that has worked really well for us because like people didn't even realize we're a business or probably still don't realize we're a business at this point. I think we're just like giving tips out there. I think maybe that's something we even fell off with because we got like mildly popular and perhaps even got a bit complacent with it. So I think that's something that's worked well for us and need to bring back more of, but obviously it's hard to always be creative and always have high output and things like that. So there are little lulls there. So that is something I think works really well. I remember even just, it was kind of reaffirmed. I was a classic, just like entrepreneur listening to Gary V. I'm not like a huge Gary V fan, but I think some things that he says is like absolute gold. And like one of the things he really sticks by is like giving like tons of free information out there. And so I think that's one of the things that like don't try to flog a product down someone's throat because like they're not going to buy it. But if you actually build a bit of rapport with them and a good relationship and you're trying to genuinely help them out without being, yeah, like genuinely like your heart is trying to help them out, then like that'll translate pretty well. And that like, like you can see the results of like the conversion we have on our website with our email marketing with anything is crazy. And I think that is a lot because of that relationship we've built. Yeah, it's, 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 you know, it's almost like make your best. You make your free stuff 
better than their mm. best stuff type mm. thing. Like the idea around giving in, you know your best information away for free because mm. I think I think of it like this anyway. Like you know we don't make decisions on brands because they're the best brand. Mm. We make decisions on brands because they're the least disastrous. Mm. So like. I used the analogy of a podcast the other day. Like, I only listen to one podcast a week right now just because I don't have the time. Yeah. So, like, the way I choose that podcast is not by what's going to be the best option here or the best outcome. It's more like, okay, so I've got one hour and if I listen to a brand new one that I've never listened before, that could be classed as failure or I might not like it and all of a sudden I've wasted that hour and that's my one hour a week I get to listen to. So I'm going to keep coming back to the one that's going to give me the result that I'm looking for. So I often think of it like if you can, and this is like comes back to your point around free information, it's almost like the more free information you give away and the more relatability and the relationship that you build, mm. people are going to kick, they're going to choose to buy your product because when they go to make a decision, they're going to go, what's the least disastrous here? Well, I have the best relationship with this brand. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to buy that, their products. Definitely. You know what I mean? Yep. That's usually how I like to think of it and, and you know, I think that talks to like why content is so prominent now because yep. it's really just relationship building without having the ability to meet someone. Yeah, definitely. Um, I th so I think like that's something that's worked really hard for us. But again, like uh, I feel like we're so far off from anywhere we want to be. So I'm still trying to figure out what works well and iron out what doesn't. Yeah, 100%. So what... Um, and so, like, so obviously that's the content piece. Like, there's obviously another piece to what you guys do, which is product and, and business. Like, how do you guys think about that? Yeah, uh, so everything's done, like, through an e-commerce platform, which is cool. Like, there's no physical presence. It's literally, like, our team is all online, which is kind of beautiful. It's like this new age thing, and we've been so productive and creating all these sales and, um, like, really trying to build somewhat of an empire with it. Uh, do you have like any specific questions about that or? Oh, it's more, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's more from like a structure perspective, I guess. Like, um, do you, so you obviously host it um, through an e-commerce website, mm -hmm. um, but more from like a, a needs perspective, like how do you think about what products you create and, and the, you know, because like there's, you, you would obviously have a, a, a few different products. Like how do you think about, say, You've got an audience here, that's the content piece and you're trying to create that relationship. Yeah. But how do you decide on like what products you're going to create and give to them? Yeah, so like to start off with, like back when we had no idea and we, sorry, we still got no idea. <laughs> but the first product we ever released was socks, right? Oh, really? Yeah, the, these socks I'm wearing right here. So that because me and Louis just like, like training barefoot and we're like, we want to create some socks that like almost like compression and... It was kind of our vision and it, we bought like 200 socks and only really friends and family bought it. I remember being like, dude, how are we <laughs> going to sell these socks? How are we going to move this stock? They And like we've sold out of so many socks that many times now, which is awesome. But at the start, we were like, dude, like we've just overbought here. Um, so I don't think a whole lot of thought went into that one. But like once we start, everything started snowballing, getting a following, we're like, all right, we want to like drop some gym programs because most kids, when they go in the gym, they don't like actually follow anything. They just make up their workouts when they're going. Whereas if you give them like a scientifically optimized structure and they're just beginning, they're going to make so much progress. Uh, so I remember like the summer of 2020 slash 21, it was like a common occurrence for kids to be in the gym, bumping into like a guy there and like, oh, you're in the same program as me. Like they were selling like hotcakes. It was unreal. It was like just based off of the stuff that Louis, like worked for Louis and I through our transformation and 
kids were like absolutely loving it, getting so much out of it. And then they're like, all right, but like Gab, we need you to show us like what to eat. So then I created like these meal plans, which was basically like an anabolic recipe book and showing kids how to cook like your classic like barbecue chicken and rice. It's like real simple stuff. But for me, I was always like very independent in the kitchen and I loved experimenting there. It's my creative space. And, but like, some people are overwhelmed by the kitchen so I just like broke down the recipes in there like things that I eat like my for example if you're trying to put on weight like making use of like healthy fats and things with like a egg bacon cheese like muscle bagel I call it or something like that just like little recipes like that protein pancakes it's just like puts everything in one really nice and I remember those meal plans like uh, I re- I actually burnt myself out making them because like there was so much demand for it and I kept pushing it back because I was like, I need to make it like perfect. Mm. And like, I remember I was, I was like so burnt out after that, but like there was so much uh, almost like constipated demand for it. Like the first day of sales for that was just insane. And like that, I like that is so obvious, the signals there for that demand. Then it was like the merch. I feel like there's no kind of cool gym brands in Australia for like merch and apparel and stuff like that so that's something we're trying to fulfill there and we see like this need so like in Australia rather in America there's all these sponsored athletes for like young LA now not so much Gymshark but like all these brands but in Australia like like I haven't even had like a good brand approach me for an apparel sponsorship so I'm like stuff it like I'm going to create my own thing here I'm Mm going to sponsor these like 17 year old kids and put them on give them an opportunity um so that's like something i see as an opportunity here um and then in the future just like different products and opportunities and demands we can fulfill with our own products i think will kind of snowball once you build that that initial track record yeah so what i'm getting from that is it's more like you have like the constants in your business right which is like content creating attention building that relationship with the audience. And then it's more just about figuring out what products you think will be a great fit for these people to buy. Yeah, exactly. Like uh, even just like more of like a passion project. One I've seen lately is I use like a wellness diary just because like um, I'm into like meditation and journaling and like I get so many questions about like what diary do you use? And it's actually, I'm like, dude, I could like make my own little wellness. It's nothing new, but people, because they relate to me and my mm. brand, like I could just do like some wellness diaries about what I think is important to track in there. Um, so like that, even that's just like a little, It's that's not going to make you bank for instance, but like it's something cool you can provide to people. It's so interesting. Like I think, you know, uh, uh, looking back like 10 to, to say, tw- yeah, probably 10 years ago, mm. it was very product first. It was like, you know, there's a need for this. Then we build the product and then we try to build the brand Mm -hmm. second to the product. Whereas now it's almost like brand building comes first and then the products come second and the products are just like, I mean, it's a much more efficient way, right? It's like, you know, have the audience there, ask them what they want Mm -hmm. or what they need and listen to them and then create the products and sell them to them. Um, So interesting. It's definitely a content first world and building that relationship and audience Mm -hmm. first. Um, so how do you guys, how's the business set up then? Like, what does your day-to-day look like? What's the, you know, what's your role in the business? How do they, they kind of, they, yeah. they, they, how do you, you kind of, you know, look at the, or how's it set up, if that makes sense? Yeah, well, like ideally I'd like to give you an answer. Like I do X, Y, Z, this is what I do. I get up every morning at 5 a.m. and I do blah, blah, blah. The reality is I like work up at 8.30 a.m. today, like had an absolutely shocking sleep. And every day is like different, to be honest. 
My personality, I think a lot of people think from the outside, is very regimented, which it is to some degree, but I think I'm somewhere in this spectrum of completely disorganised to like extremely regimented, probably yeah. like 75% there. It's like I like to free roam, be a bit lasse and just like w- like work a lot on emotion as well. Uh, in saying that though, I do have like my set role in the business of kind of um, the overall strategy and uh, innovation and ideas for the content and things like that. Whereas Louis a lot more operational mm-hmm. um, in like helping with the order fulfillment and um, he's, he's really good at like making the podcast shorts for instance but he's also very creative in that he's such a talented podcast host like so much better than I am he could do like his own monologue podcast if he wanted to yeah so it's like we really complement each other's personalities in that even like less business structure even like it is kind of business structure like I, I can kind of portray this character of like almost like the dickhead like a bit bit cocky like and yeah. Louis like the the other person they like bringing me down a notch he'll like say something just, yeah but like this and that mate like that's kind of our personality contrast on the yeah on the podcast which is what people really like um so like we've really divided not even intentionally just like figured out what we're good at like i'll run obviously because of the uni stuff like all of the accounting stuff all of the like the finances like just analyze all of that um and louis will have his things that he's really good at Another thing, like, I'm, like, quite bad at is I want to do everything myself, but I figured out, like, that just takes up so much of my bandwidth. Yeah. So, and it's, like, that small business mindset where, like, you just want to save as much money as possible. So, like, you avoid paying people. But now what I'm figuring out is, like, no, I actually need to pay people because that frees up all these tasks from me and it's less of a burden so I can spend that time being creative. And it's something I'm still trying to um, do and figure out where to invest in the team and whatnot, but... I think that that'll be really key for the business structure. Yeah, so and that, so that's something that you're obviously going through now, is it? Like, you know, you're, you you guys are starting to expand and yeah. It's always the tough one, right? Like knowing when to yeah. you you kind of you, you've almost got to go it's it's the, the the old age dilemma of like going from a technician to then having to manage people and yeah, it's yeah. such a different kettle of fish. Is that is. something you guys are going through at the moment? Yeah, yeah, and even like the managing thing is so like like it's tiring in a good way, but it takes a lot of energy because like I want it done this, this certain way, way yeah. but I don't want to be like too controlling. I want to give people like their creative space as well, which is why I like managing people, but giving like, this is your own domain, mate. Like you make your own decisions. If you need anything, like come back to me. But yeah, like it, it's good because not like there are all these kids that follow me that want to work like literally kids that are studying like law at Monash like absolute jets 99 a time they're like can I work for you for free and I'm like yeah we'll, we'll see if you're any good <laughs> yeah um give you like a little trial and then we'll pay you after that so yeah. it's like well, you can not that I'm trying to exploit cheap labor or anything like that but there are some really good resources out there that don't cost a whole lot like my editor he's in like year 12 he lives in like Sydney or something and I'm paying him like 20, 25 bucks an hour um, for the to edit the video. And he does like an amazing job because he's just like a jet on the computer jet with all these programs. And it's yeah. like, you don't have to pay like some university graduate, like a full-time salary. It can be on like a subcontractor basis. So like, I think that's quite effective for our business. And just for me, I need to figure out like where are the areas in our business that I can delegate and bring people in, give people opportunities yeah, I was going to ask that. So obviously you're going through that process now, but I'd love to hear from, like it's it's good to hear things from people that are going through it in that time. You know what I mean? Like I feel like when we look back in retrospect, we can add like a, 
uh, I guess, a different perspective to it. But going through it now, like, what are some of the things that you guys um, are, you know, what are some of those first things that you guys are looking to outsource straight away that, but you, you know, someone else might be able to, that might be going through the same thing, might be able to kind of take some lessons from? One of the best ones, it was, so there were, like, kids that messaged us with, like, so much hustle, just repeatedly message because, like, I don't really read my DMs, but, like, they'll contact on multiple platforms. And, like, I remember in the early days, um, this guy called Angus, he's now a very good mate of mine, but he was really hustling with the email marketing, e-commerce side of things. And I was like, I don't really care, mate. Like, just, like, brushed over the messages, but he kept hustling. I was like, you know what, I'll jump on a call with this guy. And um, I just, like, liked something about his message. Like, I liked, like, some people's messages are way too pushy. I'm just like, no, like... Mm. You, you kind of get what I mean. Yeah, I was, yeah. But I, something about I liked, and I just got on with him so well. He was also like same wavelength. He was at like University of Queensland doing like accounting or something. So he, he was a bright bloke, and um, he essentially built our email list from like eight hundred to like fifteen thousand. And it's just a whole other revenue stream, and it's his domain. I don't need to tell him what to do. He's just so creative and so passionate and so driven. Um, charges like a very reasonable amount, and we've expanded this together. And so that's like getting people early to buy into the brand and create something for themselves. Like, so for instance, that is like a, upon starting it, like I didn't even realize that is like a really dominant avenue of businesses. Business, 100%, um, yeah. If anyone has any other ones that I'm just comp- don't even know about, then I'm all ears because <laughs> that was something I didn't and it's been really, really good for us. Yeah. I, I mean, look, I think it, it does talk to like getting the right people on the mm-hmm. bus, right? Like, um, people that are actually invested in the brand, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's it's a it's a blessing. You, you I, I don't know if you've had someone that you've hired who hasn't been invested in the brand, but um, I know I have, and and it's one yeah. of those things. It's it's such a there's such a discrepancy between someone who's invested in your brand and then somebody who's just mm. kind of like lounging around kind yeah. of thing. They like one's taking from the business, the other one's like putting absolutely everything yeah. in. And if you get more of these people, like yeah. man, it's so powerful. I remember uh, there was a really good opportunity we had. So I, I did exchange in Malaysia. Um, and so I made, made a lot of Malaysian mates, almost got like a bit of respect from the locals around there. Cause I was just like the token white guy in the country. Like <laughs> I'd be like at parties and be like the only white, which I loved. I love just like diverse cultures and just broadening my perspective and everything like that. Anyway, so that kind of got me like a bit of respect over there and there was, because it was a Monash campus there as well and they, they actually hit me up because I knew I had a startup and they're like, oh, do you want to be involved in this like um, internship program where like uh, kids from Malaysia or students, I keep saying kids, but they're students, probably like 22 years old or something, they're not <laughs> kids and they're like, they work for free for you alongside like some top level consultant who's like their team leader at like, kpmg or something like that and they'll work on projects for you and i remember like we did a few semesters of that and we had like kids doing like biomechanical engineer like like such bright units working for us in this internship program that just like transformed the back end of our business and like i didn't pay a cent for that (laughs) but it was just like lucky falling into that opportunity because it was and they literally got top level jobs after because that was the only experience I had. Yeah. So it was so crazy. Um, I didn't even like expect to have that, but that that was like so valuable for us. That is a an amazing mm. opportunity. Like, how is that a thing? I yeah, it was called iCube. Shout out to iCube. Um, it's like a Malaysian thing, and I don't know. It's just that they were basically all tech consultants for us, and did did an amazing job. Amazing. That is like a dream. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Um, awesome, mate. So we're going to dive into quick fire now. Yep. Um, so again, I have to preface this because like sometimes like I'll be like, oh, we're doing quick fire and then you get like six word answers mm. and I'm like, no, nah, it's not that. So, you know, say yeah, what yeah. you want to say, go okay, as long sure. as where you want to go. Um, one piece of advice you would give yourself starting your business again. I would have started a lot earlier and if I could be in the mindset now of just like not caring what anyone thinks and start posting content a whole lot earlier and figuring out what works and what doesn't, that'd be absolutely fantastic. Why, why start earlier? Because I feel like I, 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 I understand why, but I feel like it's such a good point. It's something, I don't know if it's a, if it's a reasonable fear, but I almost have fear that I'm running out of time. Like I'm 23 now and I look at these people in America who are 21 who have arguably achieved a lot more than I have and I'm like sometimes I feel bad that I'm not doing enough and like I kind of wish I started when I was like 16 for instance but it's so foreign in Australia to be like a 16 year old kind of influencer in fitness and whereas in America it's normal so I, I wish I started earlier but maybe like the timing wouldn't have been right then so I, I probably just would have been a bit more ballsy earlier yeah I feel like I, I mean you can fall into that trap right mm. like the looking at others and being like or, you know, I haven't done enough, or, you know, this person's younger than me, they're doing so much more than me. But I think you made a good point at the end. It's like the time is just now. Mm. Like that's always the time. That's the only time you're ever going to have is right now. You're never going to have the time in the future. You're never going to get the past again. The time is always now. And I think that's the lesson is like if you're thinking about starting it, you should probably just start it. You know what I mean? Like for anyone out there, if you want to start a business or you've been thinking about the idea – just go and do it. Yeah. Like, don't don't wait. Don't. There's no perfect time. Yep. It, it doesn't exist. Like, it's just start the thing, learn from your mistakes, keep going, be resilient in times when it is a little bit tough and maybe it's not going that well. Mm. And if you stick it out, you're going to have some success. Yep. 100%. Um, so what, adv- what advice would you give someone who is starting a business right now? So it, I suppose it's somewhat contrasting from what you just said. And that is like, you need to do, if you're going to do it, you need to do it wholeheartedly. Because for, for example, it's quite a common one, but you see all these people start like a, a power brand or something and it goes nowhere because it's hard to make sales. It's hard to actually stand out. So like, you need to do it properly. Like I see all these people start podcasts and they've bought all the equipment and they do three episodes and give up. And I'm not trying to like shit on those people, but like do it properly. Like for me, I, under, I had this mindset not even like purposely, like it's going to work, but like I just would not have, I wouldn't have been able to sleep at night if it didn't work kind of thing. So I was willing to find any way to make it work. And I'm still like that, like we're nowhere near where we want to be. I'd say just do it wholeheartedly. If you're having doubts about it already, then probably question if this is the correct domain for you to go into. Um, but that, I don't know if that makes sense. 100%. I, I want you to, because you just you just said it, the right domain. Like, mm. I feel like that's a really important thing. Like, mm. is it passion? Do you think it, that's what it is? Like, what do you, when you say the right domain, how does someone choose that right domain? Yeah, I suppose for me, obviously I'm passionate about fitness and stuff, but I'm not always passionate about it. So I just post what I want to post. Um, like, I guess I'm passionate about things that I want to do. From a business perspective though, right? So is mm. it like, like what I mean is, is like, because I feel like you've got to love it. Mm. Like deep down, you've got to love it. You've got to want to be good at it. You, you know, you said it, you've got, you got to have this drive. Like, oh, you know, this is, I've gone, oh, 
this is going to work no matter what because I'm going to keep working at it until I do. Mm-hmm. But I feel like you said it, like, you you know, a lot of people start an apparel company because they think it's easy, mm. right? When in fact, it's actually the opposite. It's one of the hardest businesses to get off the ground. But it's like, don't start something because it's easy. Start it because you, like, you have this real deep curiosity about it maybe. Like, yeah. what, what do you think? Again, I don't think there's a rule book for it, but perhaps something you think you'd have a point of difference you're particularly passionate. You just really enjoy, um, yeah. Again, like going back to that apparel one, you probably they probably see these brands like a, like a Two XU or Itch Pig or Push Pull, mm. and they're like, oh, I can do that too. But they don't see like like you only see like the the end product. You don't see what goes behind that. You don't see for us, for instance, spending thousands of dollars and wasting months upon months with rubbish samples and getting disheartened Mm. like you only see the end product so uh like maybe do some digging like you might be passionate about it but also do some digging about what's required to be successful in that and yeah yeah yeah. it's uh, it's a hard one right it's like because it's uh, it also i think comes down to the individual as well Mm. you know like that resilience factor that keep pushing doing it because i just want to get better you know what i mean like it's not necessarily because i'm directly passionate about this thing but it's just in my nature type mm-hmm. thing so i think there's a mixture there but um what's the most okay so what's the most important trait that you think a business owner slash founder should have and why i feel that's a that's a good question i need to think about that take your time because i feel like if i just talk about myself and I'm just like pumping up my own tires this is work because I'm this and that but you see people that are like the complete opposite of me and had vast amounts of success more than I have so and I feel like you need like a diverse team of people that complement each other but for instance for me like I'm just like so driven like I will never give up on anything like I just won't quit like that kind of attitude of like no, like I would not be able to look myself like in the mirror if this didn't work out. Like mm. I w- would feel that much. Like if, <laughs> for instance, when we bought our socks, like there was like fire under my ass to like, all right, let's sell these socks for instance. Like let's get it going. So yeah. I don't know what like driven slash, I don't know if there's a synonym for that, but that is a trait that has like worked well for me. Like just never giving up. And that's with like anything in my life with like, my powerlifting, for instance, like I'm not giving up until I'm like one of the strongest people in the country, mm-hmm. like my weight class. So it, I, I'd say that mindset has helped the business. Um, but then there are tra- like Louis completely different. There are traits that he's had and the business would not be where it is without his traits as well. Yeah, of course. There's so like, you know, if you were to interview the S&P 500, <coughs> the, C- the founders of all and the CEOs there, there would be... It could be 500 different traits. You know what I mean? Like, that's just how it is. But I think it's good to, you know, the, I think the one beautiful thing about podcasting and, and even what we're doing here is, like, you get to see the difference between person to person and mm. business to business. And maybe there's a way that might suit you. There's someone that you can relate to as well. Yep. Um, okay, so what do you think the biggest opportunity over the next 12 months is in business? Mm. For is my it, business particularly or businesses in general? Um, I would say... Businesses in general, like is there, you know, like it's almost like the market dynamics thing. Like are yeah. you seeing, it could be 
a form of content, it could be a platform, it could be, you know, um, you know, like e-commerce was massive over the last 10 years. Do you see that continuing? Like, Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I, I suppose I should probably do some more thinking about this myself because it might make my business more successful. But like we're seeing this, this might just be repeat information, but like you see all these cringy people popping up on your Instagram sponsored ads being like, Oh, made this much from drop shipping. Look at my Mercedes. Look at my Richard Milley watch or whatever. But I reckon everything it already has shifted away from that, and there's value in actually creating a brand and that person, which is nothing new, and that might not even be time sensitive to the next twelve months. But that's what I feel like. I agree. Yeah. I agree with you. I think we're moving from a direct advertising, mm. you know, and it's still going to exist. But I feel like we're going from like a a direct advertising world to a brand building world mm. where it's brand centric and it's all about creating long-term trust, not mm. just getting the quick sale type thing, if that makes sense. Yeah. And like probably some people would answer all oh, the opportunities in like NFTs or something to do with crypto, but I think probably the time spans like a bit longer for that, probably not 12 months. Like I see literally every brand trying to create their NFT thing, but I think there's uh, I don't know if it's just me, but it seems like the hype's died down around it a little bit. Oh yeah, we're in winter for sure. Yeah, it's 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 um. I mean, look, that's an it's an economy thing, right? Yeah. Like it's it's the whole everything's in winter right now. But yeah. um, yeah, it's interesting. Like I the, the crypto and NFT thing. I think that that's a that's a ten year thing. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's that's the next kind of form yeah. of the internet. You know, like it's not going to happen overnight. Mm-hmm. You know, no matter what we thought or how hot it was getting a couple of months, you know, maybe six to 12 months ago. But um, yeah, it's interesting. Like I I definitely agree with what you just said though. Like um, I think we're definitely moving from like a direct advertising model Mm -hmm. to more of a brand building content centric, building trust long-term kind of thing. So definitely it'd be interesting to see what happens. Mate, I want to say a massive thank you um, for coming on the show. I think honestly, like, you know, you, 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 you're humble in what you say, you know, you obviously are at the start of your journey, but you're also doing a lot right. And and just want to say a massive thank you for sharing your insights and your journey with everybody. And I know, I know there was a lot of lessons in there than everybody would have got a lot out of it. So I really appreciate it. I really enjoyed that, Carl. Thanks. Yeah. Johnny boy, thanks for putting it together, my man. Uh, And for everyone else out there, um, our listeners, a big thanks for tuning in. Um, Again, the support we're getting from you guys, we, we're just so grateful for it. It allows us to keep doing it and keep having amazing guests on. So a big thank you to you guys and we'll see you next week. Cool. Thank you.